Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, good evening. Are you doing good? You guys are awesome. Uh, we are in uh, week number three of a series titled Fear Not. Uh, we're walking through the book of Joshua, but the heart is not really a, a Bible study through Joshua. The real heart of this series was to make sure um, that you, hopefully, whether you're a Christian or not, understand that in the Christian faith, God calls us not to live in fear. And understanding, too, that there's been a lot of stuff that's probably caused a lot of people fear for different reasons than the last couple of years, uh, i.e. the pandemic, of course, kind of the catalyst to that, and then I'm sure many things coming out, but the heart was really to tackle fear kind of head on. And this book, this whole study, this character, Joshua, it's just so compelling. It's My heart is for it. I loved it. And this series was really designed for this community, for this service, for the 6 p.m., and then we just really felt like we needed to make it through the whole church. And so I hope you're feeling encouraged by it so far. You can always check the podcast if you missed Joshua 1 and 2. We're going to jump to Joshua 6 tonight. We're going to go a few chapters ahead. Uh, the Eagle, Pastor Andy's going to come and go through Joshua 3 next week, which is really good. I want to say one thing really quick. Um, we had some difficulties with technology tonight. Um, the fact that you even have lyrics and, and stuff behind you is just a shout out to Jessica, who jumped in there and made it all happen. Can we just show her some love tonight? That's not love. That's a golf clap. Can we just be thankful for Jessica? She just did so much. She, she jumped in last minute. So I'm not going to have verses or points for you tonight. And that's not on anyone. It's just tech. That's just sometimes that happens. So there's a blue Bible in front of you. Go ahead and grab it. I think like page 131, 181. I don't know. First person, Joshua, you get 15 men's night tickets to you. No, I'm just kidding. You get nothing. You just, you get speed. Good for you. Congratulations. And so we'll be there if you want to follow along. I'll do my best to read it out. I do apologize for that, guys. I don't, I don't love that. I love giving you the scripture. I love reading it through with you. I love giving you points and notes, but it's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, let's, let's start off by reading it right away. Can we do that? Again, we're in Joshua 6. Actually, you know what? Let's back up a few verses. I want to read some, give you some context. Joshua 5, uh, verse 13. We're going to start there. We're going to break down a little bit what's happening. We're going to read a little talk a little and walk through uh, not the whole not the whole chapter it's just it's, it's pretty long it's pretty dense I want to give you a, a quick maybe actually let's just come over here for a second quick side note this is a story that if you grew up in church at all this is a story if you ever went to Sunday school ever even even once even if you went one time this is probably the story they used at Sunday school okay so I understand that this story comes with nostalgia the story comes with it, we kind of get excited. This story is often used in kind of funny, funny ways even. Uh, sometimes our theology has been funny on this story. Where we're like, like it's, just, it's just one of those stories that we, like, we read about all the time. You've heard it before. Can I just encourage you for a moment just to pause and to try and not put your like, six-year-old self back in that Sunday school classroom with your teacher thinking about the walls of Jericho coming crashing down. Okay, can you try just for a moment to really almost put yourself in the shoes of I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's Joshua, maybe it's just someone in the army, just the situation itself. Can you do that for me? Try and get away from like, I know we love like 
stories and, and movies and anything that has kind of like, I always tell, I used to tell guys all the time to read Judges and Joshua. That's like the where I told them to start because there's so much action in it. But just, just hold on for a second. Just back away from the story for a moment and just kind of give it a fresh lens for yourself. That's my heart for you. That's my hope for you tonight. So Joshua 5, starting in verse 13. This is the fall of Jericho. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Whoa, here we go. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Stop for a second. If you haven't been along with this series, if you haven't come along with this, and just because we don't have all the verses up here, you have to remember, Joshua has kind of picked up the mantle from Moses. They're headed into the promised land. In Joshua 2, we saw two spies go out, and thankfully, this wonderful woman named Rahab actually harbored them for a moment, lied to the kings and the kingdoms and the officers and the people who came, told them that I don't know where they are. They went off, they got away, thankfully, and in that moment, there was an exchange that happened. The Israelites are gonna rescue her as long as she didn't tell them where they were at. So they're, they're headed for Jericho, and they know they need to take Jericho. They need to conquer this land if they wanna get into the promised land. This is very important. This is like an important city. It's not a huge city, but it's an important city. It's fortified, okay? And so right now, Joshua is kind of preparing himself. They've crossed over the Jordan River, which again, Andy will mention next week. They're now headed for this big battle. They know what's in front of them. And an angel of the Lord, like basically has come here. There's a person, all we know is there's a person standing. And Joshua asks this question, which is so interesting. He says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? So we know there's opposing sides, we know they're going to battle and something is happening here and Joshua needs ask the question and here comes the answer. Verse 14, neither. Neither, he replied. Now, this, my version says a man standing. It might say actually the, Lord, the, the commander of the Lord's armies. It may say that as well. I think, it, oh, here we go. Neither, he replied. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I have now come. So then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And so Joshua did. Okay, so this is what we call like a Christophany, which is basically a moment where Christ shows up in the Old Testament. Now, it's important to know that often in the Old Testament it would say like an angel of the Lord. Um, and so this is, this is unique because it says specifically, let's read it out one more time so I don't get it wrong. It actually says commander of the army of the Lord. But we know this is, we have an idea that this is Jesus because specifically Joshua has knelt down, he's bowing down, he's actually like on his hands and feet. It's, the Bible says that Joshua fell face down to the ground in, here's that word I love and I wanna talk about it for a second, reverence. So before the battle even begins, before they go and take their next step, okay, in their, in their whole journey, in their heritage and everything that's about to happen, before they go and conquer Jericho, which is this really important city, Jesus shows up got a sword in hand, and now there's a conversation happening, and what does Joshua do? He literally gets down on his knees in reverence. And it's so interesting to me that the, the, the Lord of the commander's army literally says, neither. Another version will just say no. Like that, the real word here is no. Can you imagine? Are you for us or for them? No, yet. Like just nope. I love that. I think it's so interesting. I'm like, what's he saying here? Just like Jesus would, would in the New Testament, he doesn't answer the question the way we expect he would. He kind of basically is saying to Joshua, you're not asking the right question. It's not if I'm for them or for you. The question is, are you with me? 
And this is such, again, the unique comparison that we have to consider when it comes to our relationship with Jesus too. It's not Israel versus the Canaanites, is, is Israel on God's side? Are they, and this is the big word that we kind of haven't talked about in this series, but really what it's all about for Joshua, are you being obedient? That's all it is. Like, before you take a step into battle, are you on my side? Do you understand my plan? Do you understand what's about to happen? And so Joshua, of course, he says, okay, he, he falls down, face down, into the ground in reverence. If you were at First Wednesday, we talked a little bit about reverence. We talked about God's holiness. And I think this is a piece for us, as our culture, our generation, we, we, just, we just don't get this one as much. We, we kind of miss it a bit here. Reverence is this big idea, this awe and wonder, this, this, this fear of the Lord almost, this like understanding that God is more than us. He is bigger than us, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His strength is bigger than our strength. It's this idea of understanding that at any point God can end this whole thing, yet he chooses to be close to us and have a relationship with us. I believe that this is what actually is the key to the whole Joshua 6 story. That the, the fact that Joshua stopped got down and knelt before God and literally in reverence bowed down to him. His reverence actually unpacks what I think leads him to not have fear in his journey of faith. I think his reverence is what leads him to obey God. He understands there's something more important here. There's something bigger here. There's something higher here. That I'm not in control. That I'm not in charge. That I don't make every decision. I think we don't obey what we don't revere. We don't obey what we don't, what we don't respect. The reason I know this is because I coach kids soccer. That's why I know that. I, I'm coaching both my daughter who's six and my son who's four. And, and the girls are pretty good. They'll listen because they, they're at that age now where they want to get better. Four-year-old boys don't want to get better at soccer. They want to kick you in the shin. Which is really funny because I used to always say that to the youth group. I'd be like, you they listen, I'm going to kick you in the shin. Because a kick to the shin isn't enough to be really hurt, but it's enough that it's like a bruise. You know what I'm saying? You know the annoying bruise on your shin from, you know what I'm talking about? I get some nods. They're the worst, right? Like, this is true. I, I ran into this one kid who's, who, he's the worst. Um, he's not my son, but <laughs> just kidding. Hopefully mom doesn't listen to the podcast. Anyways, this one kid just has had such a hard go. Like, he just, he clearly doesn't want to be there. Not to mention, I just found out this week. She's like, I'm sorry that my kid is always a little bit, you know, a little bit crazy. <laughs> and his mom's so nice. She's like, I'm sorry my son's always a little bit wild and crazy. And I'm like, mm-hmm, a little bit. Like, you guys know the stories about Bo? Whoa. You know I'm making a big deal of this, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, this mom comes up. She's apologizing. And I just found out that he, like, goes to, so- to swimming for, like, an hour before soccer. Yeah, exactly. Anyone who's ever been in a pool and the chlorine hits the eyes, like, you're not ready to play a game of soccer after you've been in the pool. This kid wants to go home and chill out. Anyways, the other day, we're playing soccer, and this one kid, I'm not going to give you his name, Steven, you know that's not his name, he's a, he's a millennial kid, his name is like Aquaman or something, I can't, it doesn't matter, for bad names, right, it's like Agua or something, I can't remember, it doesn't matter, he's over at our net, which is this little, they're called pug nets, they're like these tiny little things, and like, he's just literally taking his cleats and raking the net, like just, just like literally putting holes in a net, this is a four-year-old staring at me, a grown adult going, like, that's all he's doing. Like, minutes are passing by, and he's raking the net. I'm like, hey, Ogwa, come here. That's not his name. I can't remember. I, don't, I almost said it. Buddy, come here. Let's not, let's not wreck the net. Those aren't ours, right? Let's not wreck the net. Like, 
fearless. This kid is just like stone cold. I want nothing to do with you. And he's just raking this net again and again. And I'm like, finally, I just knelt down beside him and said, buddy, listen, you can keep doing this, but you're just gonna wreck the net. You're not having any fun. Like, join in, come with me. Like, let's go. And then he, he just doesn't care. Like, he's just looking at me. He kind of stops for a second kind of like twitches a little bit. I thought I was gonna have to pray like demons would come out. Like it was freaky, guys. This was real. You guys think I'm kidding. This kid is like, anyways, and he just does this. Right, like face to face with me. And I'm like, I'm about to hit a kid. Like I actually thought, like the fear, like I, I the, like the flesh was going to come out and I was gonna do something. And you know, I said to him, I said like, listen, all right, I guess you know, that, that's fine. And I got really close to him and said, buddy, I am going to make this the worst practice ever. If you do not come, I, I'm not kidding, I said this. I'm gonna make this no fun. This will be the worst practice ever if you don't jump in. And you know what he did? You think he changed? He didn't. He just kept grinding the net. And I realized I have no relational like equity with this kid other than a few practices. Like I don't know, I'm not his dad, I'm not his friend. Like we don't know each other really at all. I know his first name, which you will not know. And he will continue, like he's just, he's having a hard time. He's coming from swimming, like I don't know. And so then finally, I said, you know what, okay. We went and played a little bit. He kept raking the net. I came back a few minutes later. I said, listen, either you come with me or I'm gonna tell mom everything that's happening right now. And he went, whoa. And instantly his eyes opened up. He's like, don't, don't, do, don't do that, Coach Lucas. Don't do that. Don't do that, Coach. Don't do that. I'm like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna do it. I realized, and I was like, I'm gonna go. And I just started walking towards mom. No, no, don't do that. And he starts running after me. Instantly when I referred to one person specifically who he listens to, who he reveres, who he understands, has power over his life, who understands, can bring discipline and bring love and bring joy and bring not joy, you understand? Like he instantly, everything changed. Why? Because he loves his mom. Because he reveres his mom. Because hopefully he listens to his mom. But I didn't have that. And I think for some reason, sometimes in our life, we get to this point, like this is again, this is before we even get to the story, Joshua is on his face in front of someone who just said, I'm not even on your side necessarily unless you're on mine. And he is in complete reverence to God. And I have to encourage you, Coastline, I have to challenge you, I hope, that before you step out into your journey of faith, even as you face fears, ask, asking yourself the question, is it, do I have a difficulty with obedience because I truly have a difficulty with reverence? And the idea that God is holy and above all, and regardless if I understand this whole thing, right? If I have questions, I still know that he is bigger than me. God, is, God has a greater plan happening. It's not just my will, but it's actually thy will. Right, you guys hear what I'm saying? And I just wonder if God on our org chart is kinda low. That when it comes to who we listen to first, it's like myself, my feelings, my heart, my best friends, this podcast, maybe, maybe the pastor if I like the, the story time and then I'll maybe come to God. And I just wonder if our first step, if we would learn to truly, if we would learn, I mean that. Like I understand it's not like a, Go revere now. Like, I understand it's, it takes time, it takes energy, but if we would practice reverence, then obedience would be a much easier next step. So he's in reverence. He's, uh, he's at his, excuse me, his, he's face down in the ground. And then it says this, starting in, in chapter six, verse one. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No, excuse me, no one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, 
I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns in the front of the ark. Excuse me, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests, blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. Again, you've heard this story before. I understand that. Most of you, I'm, I'm sure. Now we have this interesting, again, another interesting conversation here where, where God is talking to Joshua. He's listening. He's just given him a bunch of things to do. And not just like, okay, go take a walk, right? There's actual specific things in order. March around the city with the armed men. Do it for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets, right, of ram's horns in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Then on the seventh day, do this seven times with priests blowing the trumpets. So he's very clear. He's giving like a lot of instruction and he's asking Joshua to do something very, very like unique, specific. Again, consider this for a moment. They're going to battle, right? This is supposed to be like fight time. They've gone through the, like they've, they've crossed the Jordan River. They've, they, the Ark is here. They've done all what they need to do. And now what is it? Trumpet time. <laughs> like I, I can't like, no, you can't help but read this and be like, really? That's the plan? That's, that's the whole plan? There's nothing else to that plan? Where it's like, okay, listen, we just watched the Lord of the Rings series. I'm just thinking like, where's like where, where your like bow and arrow people? Where's like, where's your fighters? Where's like, where's the horse? Like, where, you gotta set this up. Like, I'm thinking this is gonna be like this unique battle going forward. And he says, grab the priests, grab the musicians and head to the front. Instantly, how many people are thinking about the flutist and the drummer in like a civil, you know, like we're at the front. It's our job to, you know, like this, this is who we want to go to the front of the war, of the battle. And it, you have to kind of laugh at that and think that's interesting. You have to think that's unique. I'm, if you're reading this for what it's worth, I find that interesting. I find that unique. What's interesting is the next verse. It says in, in verse eight, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing the trumpets. There's no like, argument, there's no discussion, there's no uh, what should we do here. Friends, please hear me again. When it comes to fear, when it comes to faith, when it comes to your journey, when what's headed, where, where, where you're headed, where God is calling you, the main theme here actually in this book is not just like fearlessness. It's not, I, wouldn't even, I don't even know if it's courage. I really believe it's obedience. And I, and, I, and I think these link up with the fears in our lives because Joshua again here is just listening to God and doing, what, doing exactly what he's telling him to do. No matter how silly it looks, no matter how ridiculous it might be, no matter like, well, we, we fought these battles, shouldn't we be fighting it this way? No, this is what God has said for us to do. If we want to continue our journey in faith and receive the promised land, then we have to move forward regardless of how this looks. And I get it, again, I know obedience is hard, but Joshua is so confident that God's plan is better. And again, it's like, well, I wanna be like that. I hear what you're saying. I want, to, I want to act in faith. I wanna fight my fear. I wanna get past it in obedience. But again, remember that Joshua is not like, like everyone else in this book. It's not like, like, this is a unique thing that's happening here. I think one of the most under-realized pieces of our Old Testament Bible is that Moses was called to do basically the very same thing but doesn't receive the promised land. And we don't talk about it enough. I think specifically because of Moses and Elijah, these are like, these are heroes in the faith for every single Jewish person. 
still, like, that's the whole book of Hebrews is like, guys, trust me, God is actually better than Moses. Trust me, Jesus is actually better than Elijah. Trust me, he's actually a better high priest. Trust me, stop leaning into the Old Testament heroes. Like, trust me, that's what the book of Hebrews is about. And in this moment, I have to share with you the fact that Moses did not receive the promised land and Joshua did is because one of these guys was obedient and one of these guys wasn't. Even for one moment, think about how like, it's even heavy saying that because I'm talking about Moses. This is the guy who brings them out of Egypt. This is the guy who led them through the Red Sea. This is the guy who literally with the staff and set up all these pieces and, and helped the Israelites for many years of wandering and fighting. This is the guy who, tank, like, this is Moses. And yet for one single moment, Moses sends out 10 spies. You can read about it in Deuteronomy. Like he sends out spies. 10 of them come back in complete fear of the land of Canaan. But two said, no, we should go. We should take it. You know who those two were? Joshua and Caleb. And Moses doesn't know how to respond. And then they get into this fight. And so it doesn't happen. And then Moses becomes prideful and he hits a rock. And out of pride and disobedience, we see that Moses doesn't receive the blessing of the promised land. I'm not saying he's not a great man of faith. I'm not saying he's not up in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Joshua received the promised land. Why? Because he was obedient. And we can either live a great life, but just continually cave to fear and miss out on blessing and prompting and journey that God is calling us to, or we can finally, in reverence, in awe of God, kneel down and say, God, your plan, not mine. Your will, not mine. May look a little silly to some, silly to some people. Your plan, not mine. And that's the difference between a guy like Moses and Joshua. That's the, the underrealized piece of this whole story. Not that the walls come crashing down and they come in. Like there's actually other battles that happen after this one. At the end of the day, and we read it last, last week, in fact, in, 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 20, in chapter 24, where Joshua's kind of giving this final speech, he's continuing to say again and again and again, don't worship other idols, listen to God. And I know it seems heavy and hard, but I just, you can't read the, like the Old Testament, even the first five, six, seven books of the Bible, not see, like Moses was a great man of faith, but he never entered that land. Let's keep reading verse again, verse eight. We'll read a little bit more. We're almost done here, guys. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the, of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, they were fighting? No, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to, to shout. Then we will shout. So, the, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. This is verse 12. And the priest took up, took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. We'll get to the seventh day in a moment, but I wanna just pause here for a second. This to me is just faith. This, this, is like, this really resembles just the journey of faith that we all walk in our life. If I can just move from the story, the actual context of what's happening, they listened to God, they were being obedient, they did as he said, they didn't say a word, they did exactly as they were told. 
And for us, if you come over to this side for a second, remove ourselves a little bit for a moment, we understand that God kind of pulls us in directions like this as well. We're called to do something, we're walking in obedience, it doesn't happen right away necessarily. Remember how long of a process this has been for them. I know we're just jumping here, Joshua 6, and Andy's gonna talk about it more next week, but this is a long process that has slowly developed. They're finally coming to this moment. They're headed into battle, and I see this blend of a few things that really, I believe, kind of make up faith. Firstly, what we see here is courage. We, they listen to God. I'm sure there's a ton of fear in sight, but they say, okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna march. We're gonna blow trumpets. We're gonna do this. They have courage to step out, to actually move forward, to play their part in the journey of faith that God tells them to play. They don't just sit back and say, God, I have faith in you, but you gotta do it. If you bring that lightning bolt, if you bring that person, right? How many times do we play that game? God, if you just, if you just show, me, show up here once, then I will know what to do next. God is saying that's not how it works. No, no, no. I'm asking you to take a step forward. I'm asking you to, to jump out of the boat, Peter. I'm asking us, Coastline Church, to take steps in ways that sometimes may look a little silly, but are an act of obedience in how God is calling us to act. Secondly, I see a little bit of helplessness here. Do you notice that? How many people can, again, this, this, this refers to the reverence piece, but these guys aren't like, like there's some armed guards, but like they're literally walking around a city. City walls, so high. At any point, like they're like, I'm, I'm positive, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that they are not in the best military position right now. I've seen enough movies for that, you know what I'm saying? Like they're up close to that wall, walking, marching. And I'm sure, again, there's armed guards, there's people with swords, they're ready for battle, something happens, but what's really happening? Are they, are they clanking swords, are they doing, no. They're not, doing, they're not bringing ladders, two towers, you know what I'm saying, Lord of the Rings. They're not bringing anything like that. They're blowing trumpets and walking around a city. Again, helpless in this moment, but full of trust. Helpless in this moment, but completely full of courage. Faith takes a little bit of helplessness. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna do as God has called me to do. I don't think this is probably, I would do it differently. But God is saying, like, God has asked me to do something here, in this way, in this moment. I think sometimes courage and helplessness kind of all feels like faith to me. And then finally, there's this waiting. There's this piece of waiting. And I think this is what amplifies fear for us. We can talk about fear again for a minute. I think what amplifies our fear in life, fear of the unknown, fear of what's ahead, fear of tomorrow, fear of committing to that relationship or committing to that job or going to this school versus that school. I think what amplifies fear is just having to wait. Like, how much better would it be if we just had the answers, right? Waiting's so hard. Waiting sucks. We don't like, like, we get, there was a big lineup at the mobile pickup for Starbucks the other day, and I was like, getting a little testy, you know? How long does it take to put a little bit of cream in a dark roast? This isn't, I'm not asking for grande caramel frappuccinos, okay? What's going on? Heat up a ginger snap cookie now. Can I get an amen? No amens for the ginger snap? Okay, we can talk about this. You don't like ginger snaps? What's up? You don't like ginger snaps? <laughs> the cranberry bliss bar was sold out. Leave me alone, okay? It's a Christmas favorite. It's delicious. I don't care what anyone says. I will eat those mm -hmm, all day long. I don't like waiting. No one likes waiting. Of course not for the things that matter most. 
Of course, not for the things, the answers we've been praying for, the places we're asking to go, the relationship we're in, the, 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 the job promotion, the grade, the degree, whatever it is. We're like, God, don't make me wait. But friends, if we do not wait, then, then faith is not required. Here's what's so interesting to me. I heard this. I think it was Tyler Statton who said this, who's the lead pastor at Bridgetown Church. He said, if, we, if, 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 if there's no waiting in faith, then we technically believe in a God of immediate gratification. And a God of immediate grat- gratification requires, therefore, zero faith. Zero faith to believe, zero faith to wait, zero faith to understand, zero faith for anything. Therefore, like, we're just literally answer yes, no, answer yes, no, robots, can we please, maybe not, like, there's no, there's no journey there. There's no adventure there. You know what there definitely isn't? There's definitely no growth. And the thing about fear and faith is if, like God lives on the other side of all of our fears. He's not like beside them, not sure how they're gonna go. He's not wondering what the next step is. He's on the other side calling to us like, I've overcome this fear. Come here, I'm with you. And once in a while he'll, He'll come right beside us and be like, listen, I know this is scary, but we can get through this. Come on, let's do it. It's like teaching a kid to walk almost. It's like, come on, come this way. You can't just be beside them the whole time. Eventually you have to let go and really believe that they're gonna take those steps. He's on the other side of it all. If we took every fear in this room and just like literally on a piece of paper and sprinkled them in in a straight line, God is on the other side of it all. And faith and waiting and helplessness and courage is the journey it takes to finally get through though. And God is saying, I'm with you, I'm beside you, but trust me, I have overcome everything you're worried about right now. And that's why I love one of these first verses. It literally says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That's, that's chapter six, verse two. Before anything has happened, before the walls have come crashing down, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. I have overcome. Trust me, obey me. Believe in me more than you believe in yourself and the fears that are in front of you, I will literally knock down stone by stone, brick by brick. Are you hearing me tonight? And there's, there's gonna be some helplessness. There's gonna be some courage. Friends, there is definitely gonna be waiting, which is not the answer anyone came here tonight for when it comes to fear. I, I understand that. I get that. Uh, I so relate to what you're saying, Pastor Chris, and I, I'm, I'm there with you. We're all in this boat. We're all, me and Trina were just talking before we got here. There's something specific that we are literally, quite literally waiting on. And it's just this journey of fear and faith that goes back and forth. And God is on the other side of it. He is calling us to it. And faith, I, I, I believe this for all, with all of my heart, that God wants to help usher you through today even a state of fear into a state of faith, believing, waiting, having courage and contending that God is going to, has overcome and will help you overcome every fear. We have to work on this. We're not great at it. I understand that. But God will show up, and he does. And if we finish reading it, it says this. On the seventh day, they got up. They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Not shout to encourage yourself, not shout because, you know, for whatever reason, the Lord has given you the city. 
the city and all of it, all that is in there to be devoted to the Lord. Only, listen to this from last week, guys, only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Again, her obedience led to a blessing. In the moment of fear, her obedience, what quite literally spared her life and changed her life. And now Joshua's saying the same thing. The Lord has given us the city. We're coming, we're, we're, we're literally running to the promise then. Go, God's gonna take care of it. Like, he even tells them what to do with this stuff before it even happens. When the trumpet sounded, verses, I'm jumping down to verse 20, the army shouted. And at that sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in. They took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. I wanna just take a quick second. I don't wanna race through that. We are out of time. I have a bunch of notes on this. We will we'll probably do another podcast on this. Really break down for you. I know this is a contention for some people. Does God allow genocide to happen in the book of Joshua? The answer is no, and I'll tell you that in another moment. I wanna give you some brief understanding. God, we sang tonight, God is love, absolutely. God is also the great judge. And at some point in time, you have to understand that God will not let wrongs continue to be wronged. The people of Canaan for over 400 years were asked to repent, to come back. They continued to practice child sacrifice. They continued to do all sorts of things that were completely evil, specifically sexually, that it was no longer okay for them to continue on in these practices. And for 400 years, God continued to say like, don't do that, turn back, don't do that, turn back. And eventually the only loving thing God can actually end up doing is saying, we need to change this completely now. I will point just as another mention, they're definitely using hyperbole language here. In Joshua 15, Joshua actually continues to tell the Israelites, don't, don't marry with the Canaanites, like those Canaanites over there, they're gonna move away because we've taken this land. And so not literally every single thing was destroyed. I think that's hyperbole. I think that's what the Bible is saying there. Again, we're gonna continue. I will definitely give you an answer. If that's a question you have, we'll answer that. We'll do another separate podcast. Jump in on the podcast. There's t- podcast. What am I from, Baston? Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there, guys. That was just happened. And accents are a deep desire to learn from me, but I'm not gonna worry about that right now. We'll talk more about that. But I think this is a hurdle for some, for some reason that we instantly just can't get over. And I do wanna quickly point to that as a point. That this one little piece of scripture in the Old Testament is something we're like, you know what? No, absolutely not. And this whole piece of scripture is what? Is reverence and obedience. Do not let your fear of not understanding the context of what's happening here, point you in a direction that would take you away from the Lord and your faith. Do not begin to deconstruct your faith because there's one thing that we don't quite understand or have questions for. Firstly, remember there's answers to this. Secondly, remember that God is so far above this. He understands your predicament, the question you have, the tension in your heart. And not only that, he wants to show you, reveal himself to you amidst even hard texts like this. Now, later on it basically, as we close up here, I wanna say a couple of things. Again, this is a big story. What I love about the end of this story is this. When it comes to our fear, when it comes to faith, you are asked to be involved. And yet, God is the one who brings down the walls of Jericho. I wanna just, again, help me just close this up. You are asked to be involved. And I think maybe there's two people in here. I had this thought, it was probably more than that, but follow me here for a second. One, There's many of us in here who are trying to do so much. 
I just need to, I need to do this. I need to follow through with this thing. I need to talk to that person. I need to see my counselor on this piece. And we're always trying, just trying, just trying to go. And for some of you, you need to actually just sit back a little bit. You need to come back into reverence and waiting on God. And then there's some of us also in here when we're looking at our fears and looking at our journey and looking at our life, instead of doing too much, we're actually not doing much at all. And we're in this place where we're just like, God will take care of it. It'll all work out. It's not a big deal. I don't need to activate this. I don't need to try that. And God is saying, I'm asking you to get up. I'm asking you to grab a trumpet. I'm asking you to walk around. I'm asking you to let out a battle cry. I'm asking you to do quite literally everything except the one thing you can't do. There are some things that you just can't do and I will take care of that. I will fight for you. I will break the wall. I will do, I, I'm asking you as an example to maybe come forward one night when we have prayer. I'm asking you potentially to actually join a small group, to go to that small group consistently, not once when it starts and not at the Christmas party. Sorry, subtle jab, my bad, it's Christmas. I should, there'll be cranberry bliss parties, you should go. You should go to the Christmas parties, your small group parties. But I'm asking you to go consistently. I'm asking you to contribute consistently. I'm asking you to chime in in conversation and do the homework if it's there. I'm asking you to activate everything, but that chain that's holding so tight to your heart, that fear that you really feel tense in your heart, I need you to remember one thing. I have overcome that and I will take you through it. I'm asking you to step forward and receive prayer and go to church. I'm asking you to do those things, but I'm gonna break the chains. I'm gonna take care of the fear. I'm gonna do the spiritual work that you can't do. That's too big for you. That's too hard for you. I'm gonna take the weight. This is what the cross is all about. I think this is a big picture that we missed that the walls of Jericho, this was never coming down. Maybe they would sneak through some spies, some Trojan horse theory, whatever. Who knows what they would have done. But this thing was never coming down. This thing was never coming down, ever on its own. They needed God. You hear what I'm saying tonight? This was not coming down by the power of the Israelites. They needed God. They could do everything else. They could play their whole part in this journey. They could wait. They could be in reverence. They could be obedience. But some fears in here, some fears in our own life, we can't break those. We can't overcome them. There's no five-step theory to just getting over every... Some things you need, the spiritual essence and presence of the Holy Spirit. And without it, it's not going to break. It's not going to get better. It's not going to sort itself out. One, one trip here or this count, it's not always going to work that way. Friends, I so believe this. If I can speak so honestly, there's someone I was meeting, I was talking to them this morning at church and I really felt honestly in my heart as I was talking to another person who was listening, the thing that this man is going through is only going to be broken by the power of Jesus. And I believe in counseling, I believe all those pieces, but man, this guy needed the Holy Spirit to do something. And the walls, man, this wall was not coming down without God. And I'm telling you right now, the sin in our life, the pieces, that, the fears that we have, they're not broken without the cross. Joshua knew that this was going to work out. Why? Because he trusted God. God delivered him. He showed him what to do. And he believed with all the, all the faith in his heart that, that the, the word he got in Joshua 6, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, would come to fruition. He had Jesus right here in the flesh telling him, friends, we have now have the cross showing us a picture for us of where to run, where to go, that all fears can be conquered in the cross. Are you hearing me tonight? Josh, would you just come and join me? I want you to play the, just the bridge there of take heart. I want us to create a moment here of prayer because I do think God wants to break some fears. Just Josh is gonna come, the team will join in a second. And I just want him to lightly play the end of that song, take heart. Um, 
Another story for you guys as Josh gets ready, and then I'm gonna pray and we're gonna close. This song came out, I think, I'm pretty sure it's February 2011. I think it was like the 14th. It was like just after Remembrance Day or something. I only remember that. I only remember that because I was recently married. Uh, or, or Sorry, I was coming up to marriage and, and I, I, I was just faced with two paths. And truthfully, friends, my, my heart was for ministry, but my path was not going that way. And I think for me, I just felt completely out of control. I felt very not in control of my own situation, which is real hard for an eight. Okay, any Gramsci fans out there, which is real hard. Didn't like that one bit. And I continued to struggle with it. I continued to not understand it. And I, for, for almost the whole year, I just really had a difficult time understanding what my next step was, how to, how to continue on in this journey. And I just felt like, I felt frustrated. I felt heavy. And then this song just kind of dropped. And, and for me, the understanding that God has overcome changed everything for me. Like significantly changed my whole life. I can honestly say that about this song, about, about John 16, which was a verse that we've been using. It's gotta be one of my favorites. In this world, you will have trouble. We said it the first week. We said it the second, said, excuse me, said it the second week. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Have great courage, for I have overcome, Jesus says. And I wanna just tell you, like, I didn't know what my next step was in that moment. I didn't sort everything out, but I understood who has overcome all my fears. And it wasn't me. I hadn't, I still have fears. Like, there's still pieces that, that, that worry me or concern me where my, my guard comes up. And I'm quick to just try and act rather than trust. And I believe here tonight, as we take this picture of Joshua's obedience, as we understand that faith takes waiting, it takes courage, it takes a little bit of, I don't know what to do right now, God. That if we would just truly understand that he has overcome, overcome, meaning nothing else to do, nothing else to figure out. No more worry in his heart. He has overcome every fear, every trouble, every tear, every failure, every mistake, every moment of hopelessness. He has overcome that our greatest asset is to be obedient in faith, to trust God and to ask him to actually, as he calls out to you, to truly start to contend in prayer and in faith that God will help you overcome your fears. Because I don't want to just talk like hypothetically about fears this whole series. You're carrying real ones. I don't want you to find breakthrough. I want you to find breakthrough. I want you to find breakthrough in the fears that are holding you back from a greater faith journey right here, right now, and for a greater life journey for the, for the 67, 80 years you have ahead of you. I don't want you to live in fear. I don't want you to live in fear. So would you stand to your feet? Just eyes up here before we, before we pray, before we sing. I have a couple questions for you tonight and we'll recap these another time, but you need to ask yourself, what are your fears? Again, you have to actually systematically think about what do I truly fear right here, right now? I was really honest and vulnerable with you guys a couple weeks ago. I shared with you that when we had LJ, out of nowhere, I just was flooded with fear that I had to raise uh, two boys specifically, honestly. Maybe just because my relationship with Georgia is, is more developed. Maybe it's just because she's just more obedient. I don't know. But for some reason, 
I just was overcome with fear that I had to raise Bo and LJ and what that will take and how to be a good dad. And I just, I didn't know how to handle it. That was me being super honest. And I had to write that down. I, so you need to know, like, ask yourself, what are my fears? What does obedience look like? And what's one step I can take? Can I give you a few? Firstly, I just want to encourage you to confide in someone, specifically the Lord, but also someone else, to talk about these things, to really actually open up and be like, this, this worries me. I don't know what's happening here. I'm scared on this, this thought. You gotta confide somewhere. You have to open up and actually be honest about what you're feeling and what you're fearful of. Two, you have to contend. You have to pray. If you're not praying, if you have a real fear, you're not praying, you're not worshiping, you're not like trying your best to understand, God, where are you taking me through this? How are you taking me through this? Friends, half the battle is lost. It starts with just prayer and, and fasting if you're willing to challenge yourself in that. Asking the Lord, what would you have with me? Before you start taking steps in fighting that fear or like, I know God has called me to become this and so I need to go to school. Like before you start activating your faith plan, start activating the plans of God, like what he has for your heart in prayer and contending for that and asking people to pray for you and talking to a friend or your small group leader or a pastor, something. Contend, come up for prayer one of these times. And thirdly, you gotta have courage. You gotta confide, you gotta contend, you gotta have courage. And yes, I actually made them all C's on purpose so you would remember. I did, because some of you won't. You'll leave here being like, I'm fine and I got this. And I actually had different words and I had these statements, but I was like, no, if I do that, they won't even think about it. They won't even possibly take a moment. I'm trying to sound like Dr. Seuss so that you quite literally have breakthrough of fear in your life. And I'm so tired of fear weighing over and weighing heavy on people in this room, on your heart, on your friend's heart, on, on whatever it is in your life God has overcome. And I'm asking you to confide, to contend, and yes, have courage to truly trust God. Step out in faith, play your part. God will take down the wall. You can trust his, his mighty work in the cross, but you gotta understand gotta have courage, you gotta play your part in it. Would you close your eyes, let me pray with you. Maybe can we bring the lights down so it's not about stage, it's just about the music and the lyrics and just about the moment with Jesus. God, we just pray tonight. Across this room, I pray for the person who is battling a real, honest fear. God, for the person in this room who has insecurities from high school that continue to add up, they almost feel like they're multiplying, they're growing, not being more, not getting smaller. God, for the person who has a difficulty understanding what their, specifically, what their purpose and career path is and they have six options and are scared to jump into any of them. For the person who you've asked, Lord, to commit, whether it be to a relationship, whether it be to a, a spiritual discipline, whether it be to a relationship, you've continued to ask them to be devoted in your name to the thing that you're calling them to be devoted into, that they're fearful of rejection, they're fearful of disappointment, they're fearful of, of not getting it right, of making a mistake. God, in Jesus' name tonight, I pray with all of my heart that there would be breakthrough. God, I pray that you would actually move in the heart tonight to understand that they don't have to try and overcome it, God, because you already have. You have overcome the fear that is holding this man, this woman back from establishing a journey of faith with you and a greater hope for tomorrow. For the person who right now is missing out on the blessing because they have continued to stand in disobedience, God, I pray you would remove that and you would bring them to obedience. I pray in Jesus' name that there would be a moment right here before we, before we play anything where there is almost a transfer of saying, I'm not holding on to this anymore. 
I'm trusting God. I'm trusting you with my next two months, my next two years, my next 20 years. I'm, I'm trusting you with my relationship, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my husband, my wife. I'm trusting you, Lord, that the fears I have that I won't be able to be enough, God, we, we know in Jesus' name, you're enough. We sang about it tonight. God, for the person who's not certain exactly of, of, of why, but they just feel like their life is out of control and they don't know where to step next. Jesus, write their path. Be a lamp unto their feet. Hold them close. Usher them along. For the person who is in a season of waiting, like continual waiting and misunderstanding of why do I feel like this? God, won't you answer this prayer? Won't you say yes? I'll even take a no. I just need an answer. I pray in Jesus' name that they would know they don't have to fear the answer or fear the wait, but their faith is gonna grow amidst the waiting. And God, you are gonna show up. So tonight we sing, Lord. Tonight we contend. Tonight we pray. Tonight we confide. Tonight, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, you would bring walls down in the hearts that feel like they're just encapsulated by fear. God, for the person whose their body is quite literally tense, it has manifested itself physically, I pray that right now across this whole room, Jesus, that you would bring peace, that you would bring comfort, that we would not be scared to say the things that we fear because we can also say the name of Jesus, which overcomes every fear, which triumphs over every failure, which is greater and larger than anything that may come. There will be fear, Lord, but will you go with us? We trust you, we love you. Come on, let's begin to sing. Real quiet, quiet team, let's just sing that out, Josh, the, the bridge. Let's pray, let's worship. 